Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Ollie Bay. Today's December 3rd, 2019. Besides our win Sunday, we got some good news today. Good news for the NFC South. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. First, got the All-22 done, film review. A few interesting things. The video is actually almost a half hour long that I'll put up on YouTube, or it'll be up by the time this podcast is up, or this afternoon, something of that nature. It'll be up today. Keep an eye out for it. I've got it done already. I'm just rendering and got to upload it. All that crap. What, what was it we saw in the broadcast version? What was our conclusion of the game? It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> our defensive line dominated. Okay. Played pretty well. The secondary played. I mean, the defense as a whole, I think, played well, as well as they've played all year. The offense was a little more hit or miss. I feel like this is like a pop quiz. Like, I'm completely unprepared <laughs> for this. I know, it's like I'm not to... used to thinking on these episodes. Like, I just have to listen to you. Not used to the participation. We need to go back and listen to our instant reaction podcast. Yeah, it was a little blah after that one. <laughs> after the podcast or after the game? After the game. For a win, I didn't feel like I was... Oh, you, you, you're just getting used to expecting that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. That's good. That's good. We want to expect... The Buccaneers to win. Well, here's what I saw in all 22. Defensive line did not play that well. Really? Yeah, surprisingly. Vita Vea and Sue were basically nullified. They each had one, maybe two decent plays. Other than that, they didn't really contribute a whole lot. Who did was Jason Pierre-Paul, which is funny because I've been talking about how he just really hasn't been showing up that much. In this game, he killed it. He was by far our star player. Really? Yeah, yeah. You didn't you didn't see it on the broadcast version as much. Not but, at all. Yeah, in all twenty two, man, he was he was doing a lot, doing a lot. Uh, right behind him would be Shaq Barrett. He did have a good game. He did have a good game. Not as good as JPP did though, surprisingly. Uh, our secondary played extremely well again. Our offense, like you said, they were. Uh, Jameis Winston came out and he just you know he was doing all the stuff I don't like to see him do. Scrambled when he doesn't need to. Not seeing open receivers. There was a couple times. Where he missed wide open touchdowns. Ugh. Yeah, one was Ronald Jones did a wheel route and was blazing down the uh, right sideline wide open. Okay, but we're being a little greedy here because we oh, did yeah. put up 28 points, which is nothing to shake a stick at. This is true, but we left a lot of points on the field, too. And, so and we could have annihilated them even more than yeah. a 17-point game. Our longest play of the game was 38 yards. Or, wait a minute. Didn't... 32 yards. Theirs was, was 30... Godwin? Uh, no, that was to Perriman. Okay. Their longest was 39. Now, we had six plays over 20 yards. They only had three. So we did pretty good in that aspect. But that was mainly our, our secondary. They were just shutting things down again. Tony, I think they might have clicked. There's some craziness going on back there. And they're not doing It's not a lot of tricky stuff either. I think Bowles will probably start integrating more of that. Although, I will say this, Devin White did the same thing that the... New Orleans Saints linebackers were doing, where he'd act like he was going to rush. Then he would jump back and actually, he jumped up and turned around and faced the sidelines for a second and then turned around and run in. I wonder if we took that play you from know the it. Saints. Well, if we didn't, he did. That's straight from their playbook. And on that play, we totally demolished their offensive line. That was a beautiful play. I pointed it out in the uh, the video I made because it was just, and when I started the, the 
that play, I was like, hey, I don't know who to tell you to watch here because everybody does great <laughs> on this one. Take your pick. Yeah, we just totally demolished it. And that one, it should have been intentional grounding because we got Minshew, grabbed hold of him, was taking him down, and he just threw the ball right in the He dirt. had a couple of those. He did. He did. Now, the ref crew wasn't that bad. There was a lot of that little holding stuff going on. They didn't call a lot of stuff. It was really interesting. I like this ref crew. They let, they let guys play. However... There was one where Winston, it was when he threw that left-handed pass. I think he threw it out to Dare or something. Well, he was being grabbed by this guy, Smoot. Never heard of him before. One of their defensive tackles. Dwayne Smoot, number 94. He was only in for a couple plays. But Winston basically ran into him, and Smoot grabbed hold of him. Well, Jameis Winston threw the ball out of his hand. Smoot was standing there holding Winston, saw him throw the ball, watched the ball grow, go, then grabbed Winston by the back of the jersey and just snapped him down. That's when Winston got hurt. Remember he was on the field? Everybody came around? Yeah, I mean, he violently threw him to the ground. I mean, Winston landed hard. They didn't call that. I was I was like, yeah, if you're going to have those rules in the game, you need to call that one. That's why you have the rule. Yeah. But this ref crew, was very. they were very hands-off. Didn't I liked them. I liked them. Other than that, no complaints. Right. You know, I wish they would have called the intentional groundings. They did call one with... I just don't like that rule because it's so inconsistently called. Right, right. That's the thing. It, it's very inconsistently called, but it's one of those. I call- mean, the rules. parameters are pretty defined. Yeah, they're kind of subjective, though, in the you sense think that. So? Yeah. I mean, but it's like if you're inside the. I think the the gray area kind of comes. What's the pocket? Especially if they're right on the line or the pocket's moved. Well, I think the bigger gray area is you just throw it if there's anybody in the vicinity. I mean, that's that's a broad subjective. Term. You mean the receipt if the yeah, receiver, if a receiver in the vicinity? In, in the vicinity. So yeah, okay, I can see that too. So yeah, it's very it's very subjective, and you know there was a we would have had nine sacks if they <laughs> if he wouldn't have because he did he would get hit Minshew and he would just throw it he did that at least five times so you know we would have had nine ten sacks if it wasn't for that Ronald Jones got benched according to Bruce Arians because of his pass blocking he was the reason why that fumble happened with Jameis Winston and it's true between him and OJ Howard they are liabilities in pass protection and everyone's kind of raising a stink about it that oh you don't bench your best back and no, that, that uh it wasn't fair that it was just one time that's the problem right. it wasn't just one time it's been all season we you've we, been talking about it all year yeah I mean, it's it's really easy to He's point the out the worst if wants to one look. in pass protection of the running backs by far would yeah you say. yes uh, it'd be him worse and then barber would be second barber's not too bad and then dare is good at it so okay uh but yeah ronald jones and oj howard just did not block well at all during this game and you know in the second half we just you know, basically, we were just we were managing the clock at that point. So, you know, Dara was in a lot, and then we would just run Barber. It's interesting, BA's perspective on this because he says you might be a good running back, but if you can't block, we're not putting you in because that's one of your responsibilities. Yeah, it's a huge responsibility, and it's just an interesting perspective. I don't know. Is it across the league? Do you think most coaches are like that, or do you think? Oh yeah, it, yeah. yeah no, you watch you watch game film. Running backs block more than they run, and there's there's a couple of running backs who are elite at it. Uh, who was the Minnesota running back? McKinnon. No, it was, it was a few years ago. Matt Asiata, number forty four. He was elite. That guy was one of the best blocking running backs I've ever seen. Uh, we, You're really pulling this one out of the archives. This is like 2016. He was yeah. with the Vikings. Well, he was just that good. You remember him because I mean, it was like he would he would blow people up. Uh, 
I want to say Cadillac Williams. I oh, mean, I can't remember now if it was Cadillac Williams or Pittman. It had to be Cadillac Williams because it was later than, than Pittman. It was really good at pass protection. Best, best pass protection running back we've ever had. But yeah, it's a huge part of being a running back. And Ronald Jones is just not that good at it right now. It, not only is he not good at the actual blocking part, but he's not very good at seeing where the block is. You have to be able to read where the blitz is coming at and all that good stuff. And that's what happened with him on that play where Winston fumbled the ball. He didn't see where the blitz was coming from, went to the wrong side of the field, and Winston got hit in the back. And I think that happened during Atlanta, too. And it looked like it was on Donovan Smith, Mm -hmm. that Donovan Smith didn't pick up the blitzer, but Brojo went to the wrong side. It's happened quite a bit. So I I don't blame Bruce Arians at all for that. Brojo's got to get better at that part. There were a couple of times where we had penalties and they didn't call it. We actually, I mean, there was a lot of penalties in this game, but. Yeah, the Jags had a ridiculous amount of 16, we had eight. So that's uh, math, 22. Four penalties. There's a lot of penalties. But, you know, it wasn't meant like the refs were throwing flags for ridiculous stuff. I, I don't agree with the uh, flag that was thrown in the end zone on Levante David. Ugh, that that one, one's so heartbreaking. Uh, because... I know. I, when you pointed that out, I was just like, oh, no, he hadn't had a penalty in, what, three, four years or something? Two. Two Since years. 2017. Long He's on time. A streak. Oh. Him and Eric Weddle were the only two in the league who had gone that long without a penalty. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of a BS penalty. But funny, after that play, he wasn't in. Kevin Minter came in for his spot. I don't know if you know he went out because he you know he got tweaked a little bit, or if they pulled him out because it was a third down play, and you know it, it cost us a touchdown. They ended up scoring a touchdown on that. No, wait, wait. I think we got an interception. That's I think that's when Bunning got that interception. So anyhow, the point being is for that series they took. David out and put Minter in. Maybe he was just so mad about the call. I don't, yeah, because <laughs> you could tell he was really upset. He was he put his hands on his helmet. He was like, "Oh man, it was a BS call." He made a comment about it. What did th- he say? I think he said it was bullshit. Yeah, but uh, there was a Watford. Watford was in. He came in the second half because Kappa apparently got hurt in the first half, and he played all the way through the first half. Bruce Arian said they didn't even know he was hurt. And then when they found out, they were like, why are you still playing? I mean, the guy's a trooper, <laughs> man. So, yeah. That's crazy. He played with a broken arm. What was the injury? Don't know. Don't know. I didn't see it. We'll see it on the injury report. But anyhow, 71 Hodford held uh, 54 Payne on Watford. a 15-yard touchdown run. Yeah, Watford uh, held on that touchdown run. It was a touchdown run because Watford held. Of the hold. <laughs> yeah. Oof. And I don't know how the refs missed that. I mean, it was playing in the day. Uh, and then there was an instance where... Uh, I think it was Wadford or DeMar Dotson, false started. And the whole Jaguars defensive line stood up and they were pointing and they were like, eh, they didn't call. I remember that because yeah. did they, we snapped the ball and everyone kind of paused. No, it was, a, it was a fourth and one. Okay. And it was the one, I, I think it's the one where Jameis uh, did the quarterback sneak. I can't remember. but <clears throat> Should have been called. Yeah. Uh, offensive play calling was very good this this week. Uh, it was very unique. They did a lot of unique stuff. I like that. You know, just little little tweaks here and there. Tricky stuff. I'm trying to think of any in particular. Nah, I should have wrote it down. I don't remember. But anyhow, there was there was a lot of little little unique plays in there. Yeah, it was Wadford that false started. That was in third quarter, 10:42. We ended up making the first down on that. It was a fourth and fourth and one. There was a, a few little interesting things in the in the video I showed it. Uh, when Perryman caught that big pass, uh, he stands up and he spins the ball right near our sideline. And you see Ryan Griffin 
Was he number four? Yeah. Number four, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's standing over there and he does this little thing where he like like rubs his hands together and holds them out like he's holding his hand to a fire <laughs> at the ball. It was cute. I don't know, it was funny. Uh, there was another instance where uh, Hayden, he on a field goal attempt, he jumps off sides, and that's when we went and went for two. And then okay, didn't. so it's the extra point. Yeah. Well, he jumps off sides, and I think it's Donovan Smith chips him as he's going by. Well, then he comes and he hits Matt Gay, and you know, kind of jolts Matt Gay back. Well, Matt Gay turns around and says something to him, and the guy and he walks over to him. Hyden does walks over to Matt Gay. Matt Gay sticks his hand out, you know, kind of like that's all right, buddy. You know, no big deal. And Hyden like. He doesn't smack his hand away, but he's like, starts to walk away. He's like, I ain't going to shake your hand. You're the enemy. So Matt Gay shoves him in the back. He's like, ah, F you, buddy. <laughs> it was funny. He ain't going to shake my hand. I'm going to push you in while you're walking by. <laughs> Offensive line played pretty well. Uh, Donovan Smith had another outing. This is the third week in a row. He's just not playing with the energy we saw in the first half of the season. Maybe he's tired, man. These it's big a, guys. Yeah, it's that vegan diet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's kept up with that. No. Well, he... Uh, there was one time where he went to block and just fell right on the ground. Didn't block anybody. and just fell forward. Very, It was very strange. There was a lot of weird stuff like that happened in this game. Uh, but our offensive line did very well against their defensive line. We held Leonard Fournette to 38 yards on 14 carries. It's a 2.7 yards per carry average. They had a four, They had a total of 49 yards rushing. That is so crazy. I know. And really not that much passing either. Less than 300 no, It was less yards. than 300. Mm-hmm. When Minshew got in there, he scrambled a lot, and he was he was definitely much much harder quarterback to deal with than Foles was. He's more wily. More wily. But he also was prone to a lot more mistakes, man. I mean, that guy, as soon as you grab him, he's just going to chunk the ball. He don't care. Uh, we had no first downs on four drives in the fourth quarter. Huh. Yeah. Didn't really need them, I guess. No, no. We were just managing <laughs> the clock at that time, at that point. Uh, four of their 12 drives were three and outs. Wow. Yeah. A third of them. Yep. We did a good job with that. Uh, they had four sacks. We had five. Our longest play was 32 yards. Theirs was 39. We had six plays over 20 yards. They had three. Again, JPP was just, he was the man in this game. He was just, he was destroying. He was doing a good, good job. He was all over the place, causing a lot of chaos and disturbance. Do you, was it because they were focusing on Vita, Sue, Shaq Barrett? Or? No, no, he was just beating his guys one-on-one. He was just playing with a lot of energy. They they did a really good job. Their their front did with holding Via and Sue. As a matter of fact, it was the most impressive I've seen an offensive line do against those two yet. Huh. I, I think Vea had one play. That's a, that's incredible for him. Yeah, I and mean, he hasn't played. He hasn't had just one play since the start of last year. Uh, Donovan Smith, O.J. Howard, and Jones were the worst players on the field. Uh, as far as blocking was concerned, and, and I would just round it up. If I had to pick three, I mean, they weren't horrible, but they were the worst by far. Everybody else did pretty good. I had no idea Kappa was injured. So they pulled him in the second half? Yeah, he didn't play at all in the second half. I heard Watford's name, but they have put him in those jumbo sets mm-hmm. before, so I thought... Well, they put Josh Wells in when they did the also. jumbo set. Yeah, he, oh, he had a great play, man. Uh, I think it was a 54, Donald Payne, I think it was him. Uh, came in and Josh Wells hit him, pancaked him, just took him to the ground, just opened up a big old hole. I think it was Peyton Barber ended up getting like seven yards, but yeah, he, I mean, he just laid that linebacker out. <laughs> it was good. Uh, Whitehead, thirty-one, he was great. He he played all. He was all over the place. I'm glad to hear that because I feel like he's kind of been a non-factor the last few games. They blitzed him quite a bit in this game too. 
Uh, one time he came rushing in, and their uh, right guard, I think it was A.J. Khan, just he, he pulled and scraped the back in and caught 31 coming in, decleated him. But 31 bounced right back up, chafed after the ball. I was impressed. I was like, damn, he got slammed. <laughs> but He likes that contact. It gives him more energy. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. Uh, you know, it was a good game. To be honest with you, I didn't see as dominant of performance by the Buccaneers as I thought I was going to see. Uh, the, the teams were kind of matched evenly. Uh, we just we played harder with more energy, and we wanted to win more. So would you say we won the game or they lost? I'd say we won. Yeah, we had we had a lot of good plays that just, they just couldn't. I mean, they couldn't overcome that 24-zip deficit at the beginning in the first half. It was just way too insurmountable for them. And none of that stuff was like fluke plays either. That was us making plays. Right. Their secondary is a little suspect. Uh, they seemed confused back there a couple times. We caught them. But our secondary was just spot on. I mean, just fantastic. It's been, what, two games in a row now where they just played the lights out? I love that. I love that. Well, I think it's important that we see progress. Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of fans were defeated kind of towards the middle of the season. We're on this lose streak. Jameis Winston looks like crap. And people were talking about tanking for draft picks at that point. And so I, th- I think it was really important for the team to show us that they haven't quit. Mm, but no. I think not quitting for each other is more important in LBA. It shows to me that they've bought in and that it's clicking more for them. The fans and the media both, and the media really surprised me with this. After that Seattle game, everybody kind of turned positive towards the Bucks, And it really surprised me with the media. I did not expect that from them. But I think everybody saw that, you know, we went into Seattle in their place, which is a very tough place to play, and took them into overtime, you know, stood toe-to-toe with them. Right, we were competitive. Yes. Uh, and, and I think the media realized, hey, there's something really special going on here. And I think the fans did, too. Really surprised me with the media with that part, though, because remember the same thing happened in 2012 with Greg Schiano. We went to Seattle, went toe-to-toe with them, lost in overtime, and the media just crapped all over him. But nah, they hated Greg Schiano, so they were going to crap on him no matter what he did. Right. But I, I think everybody can see that there's, there's really something special about this team. And we all felt it coming into the season. I was a little disappointed with all the losses because I thought, we're better than this. Why aren't yeah. we playing better than this? Yeah, so the, it was the Tennessee and the Giants game were two games where you were just really like, what? Yeah. We should have won those. And that second Carolina game where we just got trounced, that was really... Mm. To me, that was one of the more demoralizing ones. Speaking of which, let's good segue there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Redskins broke the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> you lose to the Redskins, you get your head coach fired. If you're not... Is it contagious? Like the Redskins fire their coach, then they get Ron Rivera fired from Carolina. (laughs) Glad we don't have to play Carolina anymore. There's Uh, a lot of contagious stuff in D.C., I can tell you that. It's it's not a clean place. (laughs) Ron Rivera was fired today. There is Crazy. Nobody nobody saw it coming. Except us. I thought he'd be fired by the end of the season, for sure. I thought they would wait. We're going to have to go back and look at our predictions. But we, we both said Cam Newton wouldn't make it through the year. Because of injury. And or or did we say he would get benched or both? I don't Either know. or. Either or. And I think you said Rivera was going to get fired at the end of the year, and yeah. I said he might get another year or something like that. But, hey, um, the landscape has changed. The NFC South used to be the most competitive division in NFL for the past almost decade. I mean, we've had every single one of our – 
teams other than us has gone to the Super Bowl. Of course, two of them lost in humiliating fashion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, now, you know, Matt Ryan's might not make it in Atlanta. I think they're going to do a house cleaning there at the end of the year. That really surprises me the most, that his job could be in question. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't expect that. He's played really bad. He's played really bad. Uh, I I think it was last week. I mean, the defense stepped up, gave them an opportunity to win, and and Matt Ryan just crapped the bed. Ron Rivera's gone. Dan Quinn's probably going to be gone. I tell you, this is the last year of NFL as we know it. You got to look. Eli Manning, gone. Uh, Tom Brady might be gone from New England at the end of this year. Right. He's a free agent. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Philip Rivers is not playing great. They might bench him. There are talks of Phillip him getting Rivers, yeah. yeah. Matt Ryan. Andrew Luck, gone. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan might be gone. Cam Newton, that's up in the air, but I think I mean, he's. I think he's going to be a free. Is he going to be a free agent? No, they're supposed, he's they supposed to get it? like eighteen million next year. Oof. Yeah, so they're going to have a serious choice to make. I think at minimum he's gone from Carolina. I don't know that he'll be out of the league, but oh no, some idiot team will pick him up. Uh, there's just a lot of big changes happening in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. All these old timers are going away. I mean, Drew Brees is really the only one that's doing well. Of the old timers, you know, you got all the except got, Tom Brady. I mean, yeah, he's not doing well. Well, their team is doing well. Yeah, it depends. I mean, they were doing well against crappy teams, but now that they're having to play, you know, decent opponents, they're not right. looking so good. But they're probably going to the playoffs. I know the but, Bills yeah, yeah. are like eight and whatever nine. Uh, they're close. Oh yeah, if you got a winning record in the AFC, you're going to go to the playoffs. <laughs> oh, Andy Dalton. Gone. Andy Dalton. Yeah. Well, he's back with right Bengals, momentarily. But, yeah, momentarily. It's just a. It's the dawn of a new age. And there's a large possibility the Buccaneers are going to be on top of that wave. Yeah, we have Jameis Winston, who he's got his ups and downs, but he is, when all those quarterbacks leave, he's going to be a veteran. Yeah. What's and, this, his fifth year? Uh-huh. So next year will be his sixth. Right. Which I'm thinking we're probably just going to franchise him. It would, I think would that would be the, be the smart thing to thing do, to do yeah. yeah. For everybody involved. Yeah. I mean, well, we got to sign Shaq Barrett. I, it, that's going to be a tough one because Shaq Barrett is going to want to test free agency. And if we can get an agreement with him that we can at least match whatever he's offered, that'll be fine. But I don't want it to turn into another Michael Bennett situation where he says, yeah, I'll let you match it. And then doesn't just, just pieces, pieces out. out. Yeah. You know, you know, the front office of One Buck Place has been trying to get him signed to an extension. And since nothing's happened yet, that's a good indication that you know his him and his agent, which is you know it's Drew Rosenhaus. He's a he's a bloodsucker. He, they want to get as much money as they can, so they're going to want to uh, test out free agency. And you know there's nothing we can do about it. You know, we can let the guy. You know we can't stop him from going. So he's going to cost a pretty penny to keep, but we got to keep him, man. We got to keep him. We can't let him go. What about JPP? Well, you know I'd like to keep him too, but I don't know if we're going to be able to keep everybody. Yeah. It's not actually I know we're not going to be able to keep everybody. Right. We got Peyton Barber. We got Peyton Barber, JPP, Jameis, Barrett, Nassib. Isn't he coming up for? I don't remember about Nassib, but Chris Godwin, because of his performance this season, he's going from seven hundred sixty-eight thousand in twenty twenty to an estimated two point one four million. This per Greg Almond. That's all he's getting paid now. That's crazy. I know. Yeah, that's the NFL's PPE proven performance escalator. Never heard of that before. Must be in the news, CBA. So he's eligible for an extension after this season. 
Yeah, we need to keep him. I tell you what, we got a lot of a lot of stuff. But our offseason is going to be nothing compared to the Carolina Panthers offseason and the Atlanta Falcons offseason. Right, they're all in re- <laughs> rebuild. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to be on top of this division for a long time. Uh, Ron Rivera was fired as head coach of the Panthers. He had nine years as a head coach, three winning seasons. What? Yes, it's crazy. Isn't That's it? incredible. I had no idea. Went to the playoffs four times. One of them with a losing season. A losing record one year. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, I mean, they're the same record as we are right now. They're five and seven. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Yeah. Five and seven. Yeah, his uh, record with the Panthers has been 76-63-1. and one, But it's a little skewed because of the three years that they did have winning records. They won over 11 games. So. Yeah, I think when they went to the Super Bowl, they were 15-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really skewed the numbers there. So, and Panthers has- fans... You know, I've been, I've been following them all day. Just, okay, that's like, what I was about to ask you. What kind of I've information? I've been feeding is on their tears. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, they all are uh, extremely okay with this. They, it's like they've all been wanting it. They're like, you know, he's a great coach. He's done great for us, but it's time to move on. He's just not. They're, they're saying he's not doing in-game adjustments. Not good management. Uh, he's gotten conservative again. Remember, we need, we used to call him Riverboat Ron. Yeah. And apparently, that was like three years ago, and he hasn't been Riverboat Ron for a long time. Because he's been on the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, North Turner, you know, he's their offensive coordinator. He got—I don't know if this is a demotion or a promotion—but he's not the offensive coordinator anymore. He is now the special assistant to the head coach. That is very, very strange to me. It's actually surprising to me that he didn't get the interim head coach job. Uh, Perry Fuel did who was their secondary coach. So why, I mean, North Turner has been a head coach before. He's been an offensive coordinator forever. He's a really good offensive coordinator. That's all he's good at. He's not good at head coaching. He's a horrible head coach. Maybe that's why they didn't put him in as an interim head coach. But why would they take him out of the offensive coordinator position? Now he's basically just, I don't know, why did they fire him too? I mean, he's a special assistant to the head coach. What I don't even know. What that is. It's like they created a job for him, I guess. Like he's consulting the interim head coach, maybe, because he's been a head coach before. But they had to call him a special assistant, not an assistant. I don't know. It's very strange. All I know is I'm very happy to see the <laughs> Carolina Panthers implode. Hey, we might not have the first draft pick in the NFC South. No. No, I'm right telling you, we're, we're going to be second. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. And division. for the Carolina Panthers to fire him now, they've given up on the season. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that kind of turmoil, you just can't. Yeah. It's hard to come back from that. It's a big shakeup midseason. Like, they fire him on a Tuesday. Aren't you starting your game plan for the next week? Like, what are they doing? We shall see. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of Christian McCaffrey because he's really the only player they've got on offense, anyhow. And I'm going to say this. I just want to throw this out there because it thrills me to no end. Uh, Mark Cook from Pewter Report had tweeted out that. <laughs> Gerald McCoy is a coach killer. And I'm not even kidding. Ralph had texted me that about two hours before Mark Cook tweeted that. Oh, yeah. That was that was one of my first thoughts was when Ron Rivera got fired. I was like, well, there's Gerald McCoy at work again. <laughs> this, is, this will be Gerald McCoy's sixth coach. Sixth head coach. How do you even do that? And, of course, everybody's going to be like, well, you can't blame Gerald McCoy for this. No, you can't. But I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> and and this is the perfect situation for him. Because if you notice, when he went to Carolina, he just absorbed the media. I mean, he was immediately in front of the camera constantly, had that little uh, 
film done of him, of him driving around the campus there with the media personnel and, and the golf cart and all this stuff. And he's been in front of the camera nonstop with them. Now, Ron Rivera's gone. Cam Newton's out of the picture, at least for now. So that leaves Gerald McCoy, the voice of the franchise. You know, because Keekley's not a you know big camera guy. <laughs> so this is now... Gerald McCoy's franchise. He does this everywhere. So that's going to be interesting. That's going to be very, very entertaining. I'm going to love the heck out of it. And it's so funny because the Carolina Panthers fans are the exact same way with him that Buccaneer fans were with him. They're like, oh, we love Gerald McCoy. He's such a great guy. He's a good leader. He's a good leader. You know, he's he's got the... Uh, his get-off is so fast. His get-off is so fast. His mind, he's already got four sacks on the year. You know, it's you're just like, oh my god, okay. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. And here it was. I thought you were happy to be rid of him, so we didn't have to watch him or talk about him anymore. I haven't watched any all twenty two on him, but I have seen a few plays. Is there was one, there was two plays that I saw where I was just like, yeah, that's typical Gerald McCoy. Uh, one, I think it was on a fourth down. On, and they ran right at him, pushed him out of the way, and got fourth down. Yeah, that was on the broadcast, I think. Yeah, and I think even the the commentators mentioned it. They were like, wow, they just pushed Jeremy McCoy out of the way for that. Well, I think down. they said that's the biggest hole they had ever seen. Yes, that's right. That's, that's the biggest what hole. she said. <laughs> uh, but there was one, and it might have even been in preseason. I can't remember. I don't think so. I think it was at the beginning of the year. But the the they were on, it was a goal line stand. And the running back runs and hits the line, and Jeremy McCoy is standing there. And he turns around and starts walking away before the play is over. And the running back bounces off the the pile and then shoots right in the gap where Jeremy McCoy should have been standing, but he was walking away at that point. I was just like, yeah, yeah, typical Jeremy McCoy. So it's really, I'm really going to enjoy this whole Carolina saga. All you uh, Buccaneers fans listening on this podcast are going to hear about it for the rest of the year. I'm going to... Just rub as many Panthers fans' face in it as I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's funny. I thought he was going to a contender. He did go to a contender. He just blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I kid. I kid. I wonder if T-Bass was having an aneurysm when he read Mark Cook's tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I'm surprised he didn't get on there talking some stats. <laughs> I was going to tweet a response, but... I think I saw the other day where he tweeted and said that Sue is not as good. No, that Sue is... Not vital to our run game, and we could get rid of him, and our run game would be just as good. That is the that is insanity. That is somebody who does not watch the games at all. Not just the all twenty two, just the games. I mean, Adama Sue is a huge, huge presence on our defensive line, and he is excellent. He's elite at run stopping, elite. So anybody that says that, they're they're halfway to being. Can we say retarded anymore? <laughs> no. No. What's the politically correct term to use? I don't think there is one. No, okay. We just have to say, eh, they're... I got nothing. I, I got nothing either. That, I, don't, you know? I don't know. So, anyhow. So, yeah. Good day in football. This has been good. Buccaneers won. Panthers exploding. Now we just need the Falcons to do it. Please Yeah, Falcons. they're teetering right on the edge. They are, man. We thought they were coming back. And then we broke them. We crushed them. And then they lost to New Orleans on Thursday Night Football. Who they played this week? I think they're the ones that play Carolina. <laughs> Don't quote me on That'll that. That'll be great. Uh, I think it is Atlanta. There was one team in the NFC South that had five division games in a row, and I think it was Atlanta. So, yes, they are playing the Falcons. 
Carolina's playing the Falcons this okay. Sunday. That's going to be Falcons. awesome. That's going to be awesome. I know. I got to so watch like, the game. If this coach collapse is contagious, <laughs> isn't it fitting that Carolina plays Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> well, if Atlanta does not implode this week, they're definitely going to implode week 17 when they play us. <laughs> Dan Quinn will be fired before he leaves Rich. Yeah, probably. But this game is at home, and they have had abysmal attendance. attendance. So we'll see. That's got to be tough for an owner. You know, you're like, you spend all this money and effort trying to build a team, and you just, you, you know, you pay attention to attendance. And then you go, how can we get people in the seats, right? That's always a big question. How can we get people in the seats? So what do you do? You think, you know, kind of like Dan Snyder used to do, which is just get big names. Free agents, you know, just get as many free agents as you can to come in. And people will be like, hey, I want to go see these guys play. You know, so it's really hard. I mean, what do you do? I mean, of course, they all want to build winning teams, I assume. But besides that, how do you get people to come? Don't know. I think it's something the Panthers and the Falcons are going to be dealing with for a long time. I think the Buccaneers are turning a corner. I think we're going to be a very winning team for years to come. We're going to start filling up our stadiums. Of course, I wish that we filled up the stadiums even when we weren't winning. But, hey, such is life. If I was dictator, I'd make everybody go to the game <laughs> every Sunday. all be required. That'd be, yes, part of your citizenship. Like a Buccaneers tax. <laughs> you have to devote so much time. It's like civil service in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for me. We've got the Bruce Aarons press conference at the end of the podcast here if you want to check that out. You got anything else to add, Molly? Fuck the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I married you. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. Till next time. Go Bucks. Ben's done done a lot of that. I mean, is, is that a mentality? Is it, is it something that's coached? Is it something that? How do you? Yeah, it's 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 that? it's coached. I mean, it's uh, I mean, we we work on it constantly, turning the corner, turning the corner. Where's the ball? Is it up here? Is it down there? And finding the ball, but don't miss the tackle. And uh, we we have slipped off a few times, going for sack fumbles um, when we should have just got the sack. You know, if the if you're not seeing the ball, then you should be just tackling the guy. And uh, but yeah, it's something that's both. You have to have the skill level to do it, but it's, it's also coached. This team was built so much around Jameis, you know, in the beginning, the early years before you got here, obviously, and you know what the veterans on that side are. Um, you know, Jason has taken a lot of, a lot of hits about his drafts and things, but when you look at guys now into their second year and some of these rookies that are playing you can't expect them right to be all pros the first week but Vita Vea and now Carlton Davis and what he is in his second year so does, this, does this show that you guys got some talented dudes oh there, there's no that, that that first and second year bunch on defense that's going to be fun for a long time and it's just going to get better and better just add a piece or two just keep them together you know um, yeah I they think the veterans that are over there are not old you know, I mean, Levante looks like he's he's a four-year guy, you know, the way he flies around and Sue's playing at a high level. So, yeah, it's keeping them all together and uh, and just continue to grow. You've had more challenges than most coaches this year and more reversals than most coaches this year. How big, in terms of just getting things going, was that Perriman, the decision to challenge and to get the reversal on that? Oh, yeah, that was huge, you know, and, uh, you know, Larry – guys upstairs do a great job of, of giving me good information and uh they saw that one pretty quick and uh you know it, it was he did a great job of just sliding his toe like he's taught and uh, a lot of times that's missed Cold, you 
um, maintain the momentum swing when they brought in Mitch. My apologies, you asked this, asked this question already. But what is it about the league when you actually make that quarterback change and go to a backup quarterback that gives a team a lift? Well, that you know that that wasn't the first time he's been out there, and and he played well when he was playing. And, and the way the reason he played well, he scrambled all over the place. You know, it was all mostly broken plays, and he extended his plays and, and makes plays. Um, we talked a lot at halftime if they made the switch. You know, we have to be a little more contained conscious. Um, he still slipped out of there a few times because he looks to get out. Um, but we did a good job of handling it. I thought the uh, Sean's interception uh, kind of put the whole fire out and uh, was was a great, great play. You see a lot of young defensive players, whether it's Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, Devin White, kind of get their first turnovers in the past couple of weeks. How much does that do for their confidence moving forward and growing when oh, they are such young it's, players? It's huge, you know. Uh, once you do it, you know you can, you know. Um, Devin Sachs last week, you know, the, the interception this week, the, the, the touchdown would be huge for him, his growth. Um, Sean, that's second time for him now, you know, and, uh, you know, I, 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 all those kids are getting more and more. I see Mike Edwards playing faster and faster. Uh, and I hope to get Anthony Nelson healthy soon, let him get back out there. So, you know, that, that whole group, somebody just asked me what rookie probably has had the most impact of course, I started naming all that. I forgot about Matt Gay. You know, uh, he's probably had the most impact of all of them. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a great, great group. After that Murphy Bunting pick, you guys kind of went in there at the one um, to where they were still threatened a little bit. That punt, I mean, it's like you punt from the Can't one. Can't say enough. They, they got yeah. back to their 20. Yeah, it was, it was a great, great kick, great coverage. And, uh, you know, they hit us right in the back. And uh, so... Can't say enough, you know. The hit the one, but Bradley's been outstanding all year, you know. Just, but that was that was a huge field swap. Do you think there's a point where those guys? I think Devin might have mentioned this, and I, I don't want to misquote him, but like, you know, when you're young like that, but everyone recognizes you need to grow up. Please grow up. Get, you know, that there comes a you talk about accountability a lot, but within that group, before Devin could lead the whole team, he had to lead that class, right? Mm -hmm. So how much was he behind? Hey, we can't be the weak link here. Like they're counting on us. We have to get them. And then, then you started to see people. And yeah, I, I, I think. For, but. Yeah, uh, and it, with his injury, it, it really hurt him. Set him back, yeah. probably six weeks before he could do that. You know, and yeah. and uh, he still was with with them talking to the rookies. But when you're not playing at that level, you can't talk that level. You know, now he can back it up. And he's bringing it not only to rookies now, it's, it's everybody. It's everybody. You mentioned Dean and the Kappa injuries yesterday, but both of those guys in play for this week? No, no more probably this afternoon. You know, uh, Jamel looked a little pretty sore. Uh, don't know what Caps is yet, but uh, again, he probably played a quarter with it and didn't say anything. And I wish he'd have said something because he was struggling a little bit. Carl Nassim missed a couple of games prior to the last couple of weeks. Missed practice on Friday. How important has it been to get him back to oh, get him into that rotation with the other guys? It's huge. You know, that's I think that's the other thing. Those guys are fresh all the time. Plus, Carl can go inside and do damage against guards. And that's where his strike uh, is. So he just his versatility and being able to to have a great rotation. You know, we've got a good rotation inside guys and now outside guys. And Sam jumped in there and got a sack fumble. That second touchdown, you guys got that penalty and the extra point where he gave you the shot from the one. As a general rule, I mean, 
Yeah, for me, if it's on the one, we're going. Yeah, we're not kicking. Uh, it's very seldom has it happened for us. Uh, but uh, if you jumped up, we're definitely going straight to, to two points. I know you said yesterday, um, you know, Rojo didn't get a lot of looks because he, he had the, the missed pickup. But it's not the first time, right, this season, and we're more than halfway through. So just to, to talk about the, the importance of that, it seems obvious, but if your quarterback gets blown up, it could be the season, right, at any point during mm-hmm. the year. I mean, it's, it's that important, yeah. right? Yeah, and that was a fumble. You know, that was a big – we had a game in hand. And uh, – but and it was something that had been switched, the way we were going to block something because of their blitzes. And uh, he went to block the guy he used to block, and that wasn't the plan. You know, and it's, it's just – and he works his ass off, and he's going to get better at it And because uh, we need him running the football. But you can't run the football if you can't protect the quarterback.